Welcome to Lawmen, a podcast about local legends and obscure curiosities from days of yore. I'm Alastair Beckett-King. And I'm James Shakeshaft. In this episode, I'm digging a story out of Edith Sitwell's The English Eccentrics and telling James all about the London Quacks. All right, James, we're back in the studio. It's summer, which is weird because we normally record in winter. In the uh, depths of winter. In the depths of winter, and now we're in the depths of summer, and I'm all hot. It's more of a, it seems more of a wintry thing as well. We release normally around the winter time. The winter time is spooky time. That's just science. Is that because there's more night time? It's because there's more ghosts. Oh, because they're attracted to the cold? Yes. Or Go- <laughs> allergic to the heat? Ghosts are very cold, and the reason it's colder in winter is... Uh, supernumerary oh, because ghosts. there's more ghosts. Because there's more oh, ghosts. That way I mean, I shouldn't have to explain this. It's no. basic stuff. I always thought, I wonder if it's cheaper to get air conditioning in the summer <laughs> or <laughs> buy a bunch of haunted goods and keep them in your bedroom. The air conditioning Freezing. goes, mm, the ghosts go, woo. It's kind of the same. <laughs> I, but you do get woke up at 3am by the sound of screaming monks. Mm. So, ups and downs. Ups and ups. <laughs> All right, so I've got a, 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 summary, a summary historical oddity for you. Brilliant. Um, and I discovered this in a, a book called The English Eccentrics by Edith Sitwell, who is sort of famous. She was a bit of um, an eccentric herself. She dressed in historical garb. Um, was she from the past? Because then that's She fine. was from the past, but the, the period of the past she lived in, she wore different clothes to that period. Okay. It but further back in the past, more not pastily, future. Yes. No, right. no, she wasn't dressed as an astronaut in the 1920s or anything. Good. Although that would have been eccentric. That said, when she was a child, she was forced to wear like an iron contraption for years on end that prevented her from moving by her mad dad who wanted to cure a spinal curvature. So she had a pretty miserable childhood. She didn't get on with her parents, became a poet and wrote a book about all the English eccentrics in history. And her style of prose is very much like talking to a drunk person at a bar. It just sort of rambles from one thing to another thing. Like you can't skim read it because if you read it at normal speed, it feels like skim reading (laughs) because she's onto another subject. You're like, what? Oh, so that's the end of the bit about the, the dog that can play bagpipes. Okay, fine. That's not coming back into it. So I thought she seemed appropriate for the medium of podcast. Mm. So my story from Edith Sitwell's English Eccentrics is about the quacks and alchemists of London. And what, what a rag bag this story is and what a bunch of ragtag rapscallions they are um so the quacks uh, quacks and what sorry alchemists Qu- quacks. quacks whoa this is a good example of her writing so this is about quacks and alchemists now mm-hmm. you probably know that quacks means doctors it's a slang word for sort of phony doctors do you know the origin of that out of well uh, let's see if sitwell oh, can provide sitwell us with a, an answer uh, she she points out that uh, the Egyptian equivalent for cackling, or the noise of a goose, was kaka, and in Coptic, quack, pronounced very much like quack, which doesn't uh, explain it at all. No, that no, just explains just, the sound a duck makes. Here are some of the words that sound like quack, is, is all she says there. She describes each of the people as bird screaming or bird flapping, and keeps throwing in bird descriptions to try and convince us that there's something innately bird-like about these mountebanks. Is mountebank a type of bird? Mountebank is not a type of bird. Okay. It, it means someone who gets up on a bench and tries to sell fake uh-huh. cures, which uh-huh. is what these guys do. Mount a bank. Uh-huh. It's, it doesn't matter. It's Italian. Um, but there's the same bank as in bankrupt. What? It's the bank in bankrupt and the bank in mountebank both mean bench. What? 
Why is the bench broken? Is because it because Jesus threw it out of the church? Nearly. It's because <sighs> if you run out of money and you were a, a, a trader uh, or a, a moneylender or what have you, they would smash your table. That's it. You're out. Whoa. Bankruptor. Really? Yeah. So, uh, j- mm. I mean, none of this is on the notes, so a lot of this is lies. They would but I'm pretty certain some of that's smash true. Smash your table? Like, I think so, yeah. Wow. Because obviously you'd think it's the bank got ruptured. That's what you're thinking. Nowadays, but no. but no, it's someone comes and karate chops your table into yeah. toothpicks. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It is cool. So the mountebanks we've got on hand for you here are uh, Don Lopez. Don. Don Lopez. I don't think he was like, I'm Don Lopez. Uh, he was Spanish. So he's it's, like, uh, Don Lopez. Okay, because I was thinking about that yesterday, about the guy that invented champagne, just called Dom. <laughs> yeah, I'm Dom Perignon. I'm a monk. <laughs> and I'm pissed. Uh, he, D- uh, Don Lopez, had a powder that uh, the powder, the powder, sorry, that made Venus a goddess, um, and he was selling it. And basically, it did everything you want. It made black teeth white. It made wrinkles disappear. It's basically a, a, a panacea uh, and a, a sort of fountain of youth type of thing. And, and that was pretty standard. Uh, there was a seventh daughter, which I guess is some um, a pretty magical thing to be. Uh, mm. And she uh, sold cures outside of the sign of the blue ball which I think Blue Ball must have meant a different thing in those days, I, on Laborious Vein Street, which whoa. is a really good name for a street, <laughs> especially think, bearing in mind there's a sign of a Blue Ball there, yeah. which was near Shadwell Market, so we could easily go there and check. That's not far from here. Uh, and basically, there were loads of people who uh, were ba- printing up bills saying, here's all the things I can cure for sixpence or what have you. Right. Uh, I've seen that. It's still there nowadays. You it, still get that through the door, don't you? Well, it's like homeopathy. It's, you know, it's yeah, it's like alternative medicines. Dr. Um, Duda will solve your everything. Yeah. There was uh, someone published The Woman's Prophecy or The Rare and Wonderful Doctress, which came to cure. And you're going to have to bear with me here, but I do enjoy the names of the uh, apparent illnesses. Glimning of the gizzard. Quavering of the kidneys. The wumbling trots, etc. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. The wandling trot. Oh, okay. Sing <laughs> the one, the wandling trots costs more if you want if you want them to sort that out. I thought they were wombling trots. Uh, what they are wombling. W a m b l i. Oh, but not like the wombles of Wimbledon. NG. No, <laughs> wombling here. Heaven forbid. Because and also the trots is uh, it's a nice way of saying it. Um, <laughs> well, I could use the Cockney rhyme and slang the thruppy bits in my family. Mm. If you had to go to the toilet a lot, bum wise. That was known as the trots. Yes, You yes. had the trots. Yes, although when you said threepenny bits, I thought that meant a different rhyming oh, slang, the, so I've not, been very confused. Not the um, Bristol City. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> this is foul to any to anyone over the age of 60. Um, another handbill uh, promised to cure distempers incident to the body of man, the names of which are as follows. The Strong Fives. The Marth Ambles. <laughs> Don't interrupt me, James. <laughs> the, the strong, strong the strong fives. He's got a classic case of the strong fives. The Marfambles, the Moonfall, and of course the Hoggerockle. <laughs> Perfectly reasonable, genuine illnesses there. Mister Catafelto, also known as Colonel Catafelto, this guy published two different handbills in a short period of time, and, and he'd been promoted. He joined the army and been promoted to colonel in between the first and second. Edith Sitwell describes him with his ghostly black caravan filled with a multitude of black cats. He was the best at marketing, I think, because he had a thing where one of his playbills puts out a thing where it sort of says, "Um, right, the word has got out that me and my cats are actually devils, uh, but we're not devils. We've actually just got a really good solar microscope. And thereby 
pulling in the devil crowd and the solar microscope <laughs> demographic. So the, the, yeah, two, the, the two genders. And also any cat fans. Yeah. And so people would come and see his performing cats and his solar microscope um, and think, are they devils? Basically, I, I could go on. I need to sit. Well, it does go on. There's millions of them, and they're all talking absolute balderdash. But I thought I would focus on just two. Okay. Uh, two of them. Uh, the first is, and you're going to like this guy's name, Ken Elm <gasps> Digby. So, so Ken Elm <laughs> Digby, the surname is not as good, but he is the son of one of the gunpowder plotters. Oh, right. Yeah, so he's, you know, mm, he's pretty, got, pretty big mm. deal. He was a philosopher, uh, a privateer, and uh, an, an adventurous sort, as well as a natural philosopher in the sense of sort of scientist, magician type. And privateer being a licensed pirate. Yeah. Or, yes, sort of nautical, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> um, yeah, so the kind of people who go around to just killing Spanish people, but on the sea, so it's fine. And said the Queen told him to do yeah, it. Yeah, our right. Queen said I had to do it. Right. Did she? Where's your papers of mark? And then they would have them, and then they'd be on your way if they were stopped by a traffic policeman in the sea. Mm. He married the beautiful uh, Venetia Digby. It took me a while because I can't read my handwriting there. Mm-hmm. Here's a, I'm, I'm, basically, I'm struggling to slip in some supernatural because these guys are so obviously fakers that mm. there's not much. Now, I heard one of them and his cats might be the devil. <laughs> they might have been the devil, oh, although friend. he denied it. Well, um, the devil would. Biggest trick the devil put was, get, was getting a van full of cats. <laughs> Not my words. <laughs> words is of Edith Sitwell. Probably. She probably said that. Oh, I enjoyed that. Um, right. Um, Venetia Digmina, there were rumours around his, his to-be wife that she was uh, not necessarily a good character, that she might have been a, into a general sort of hankiest pankiest kind of uh, an area before marriage, which was disapproved of. And so naturally, he uh, went to India and spoke to a Brahmin, and the Brahmin conjured a devil, and the devil spirit told him that uh, that his wife was faithful to him, but also, watch out for assassins. And when he got back to Europe, someone tried to assassinate him, which was great news, because it meant that the other bit was also true. Uh, so he married his wife, which was lovely, and then she got a little bit ill, and then she, and so he made some viper wine for her to drink, and then she immediately died because of drinking Viper wine. Viper wine. She died of, of Viper wine. Uh, yeah. But he had Van Dyke, or at least uh, one of Van Dyke's, uh, you know, apprentices, paint a portrait of her. Not Dick. No, not Dick. Because <laughs> he was famously in late, well, he was a detective, wasn't he? He was a detective slash chimney sweep. Yeah. But not that Van Dyke, the painter Van Dyke. Okay. Uh, who did a picture of her as Prudence, which I think is a, a, a weird thing to do for someone who died by wrongly choosing to drink Viper wine. Um, and also in the painting, she's holding a snake, which feels like rubbing it in a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. I think. The That's... snake's like symbolic of something that isn't, I drank snake water and died. No, but died. It, it's like you knew she died of snake You water. know she died of snakes. Not snake water. Snake juice. Yeah. But the main thing he, he's famous for, this is not the main thing he's famous for, but the main thing I think he's famous for in this story mm. is his magic sympathetic powder. And it's sympathetic in the sense of sympathetic magic, which I've brought up again and again on this podcast. Yeah. And in the sea, yep. up in Scarborough. There's a f- quite normal kind of magic, which is uh, weapon salve. So, like, if you get um, hit with a club, mm. you would rub it on the club. Or, like, you told me that you'd been kicked in the chest by a scally. Yeah. We could go and apply the salve to the scallies, presumably really cool trainers. Yeah. And then... That would cure your problem. They could have done with having more padding on the bottom of them, these trainers. The tra- yeah, well, 
they could have been doing with Nike Air, being Nike Airs rather than. <laughs> well, they're not the sort of pumped up ones. I don't know. They were they were moving at such speed. I couldn't tell. Sorry for the benefit of the listener. James was kicked by a scammy. Yeah, but you did pay for it to happen, right? Yeah, I paid. Yeah, it was it was a stag do, and we went and did wrestling, like American style wrestling, not mud or. Greco-Roman. Yeah. Um, and we, I think we thought it was going to be more like character, about building the character and stuff like that, but it was more a scally trying to kick us in the heart. And <laughs> it really hurts a lot still. Well, I'll tell you how Kenneth Digby used his sympathetic powder, yeah. and then maybe we can apply that to your, yep. your problems, your mm-hmm. predicament. So his friend, Mr. Howell, saw two men in the street about, about to set two with swords. And Mr. Howell was sort of a decent kind of guy, so he, um, he put his hand up between the two guys uh, to say, Stop, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And they both stabbed him in the hand. They felt really bad about this and uh, apologised, and so they bound up his hand and, and he went back. And then he, he meets up with his friend, Kenel Digby, and he's like, Ah, my hand, oh, I asked man at Nax. That's what he would be saying if he was from County Durham. What Digby does is he, t- he took the bandage and he applied the sympathetic powder to the bandage. And then he put the bandage into a cool bowl of water to to, wa- to wash it, basically. But at that exact moment, his friend across the room talking to a servant started to react strangely. And he said, well, what is it? And he said, well, wow, I, the, the, a coolness has come upon the hand and it, I don't feel any pain anymore. And he went, hmm, that's interesting. So as long as the bandage was in the, the cool bowl of water, the guy didn't feel any pain. And then later on, for reasons that I'm not clear on, he takes the bandage out of the water and dries it off in front of the fire. <laughs> A few minutes later, the guy's servant arrives at the house to say, oh, my, my master's in big trouble. He says his hand feels like he's on fire. And he goes, okay, I think I know what's happened here. Go and tell your master that I'll be around soon, but I bet by the time you get home, it's been fixed. And he, t- he took it off the rack and put it back into the bowl of water. And sure enough, when the servant got back, his hand, the pain had gone from his hand. And that was the, the magical power of his sympathetic powder. So has he got to just keep that? Uh, he kept it in there temp. until the wound healed. Oh, and then he's yeah, fine. Yeah, once after the wound had healed, it was fine. Oh, okay, yeah, it was cool, fine cool. after the wound healed. Because otherwise, you just got to do that forever, and then yeah, you've you just got know. a whole room full of bowls oh, with yeah. bandages in them. My hand feels like it's fallen down the back of a sofa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed out a nice bit, mm-hmm. which was um, he had sort of a reputation for being a bit weird, no. and he was worried that. <laughs> He was worried that uh, his friend would think that his sympathetic powder was just some nonsense superstition. And Howell, his friend, who's in great pain, quoted a Spanish saying, which is, let the miracle be done, though Mohammed to do it. Which is quite quite a nice idea, because for the Catholics of Spain, what they're saying is, I don't care who does it, I don't even care if it's Mohammed, Uh, as long as it gets done. Which is obviously, that's a little bit Islamophobic. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm taking it in the context of a very Catholic In the context of a a Catholic country, and it's the 17th century. So he had a sympathy power, which was magic, and he also saw wind being invented. (laughs) 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 Although it was described by a contemporary as being the very Pliny of our age for lying. Uh, <laughs> which is a format of an insult that I would quite like. Yeah. Like, like you are the very David Starkey of our age for being... A f- <laughs> which is David Starkey in our age, so you don't need yeah, that. Yeah, that's already taken. Yeah. So he saw wind being invented? He saw wind being invented. Um, like it hadn't been around before he saw it? No, 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 no. He saw where it comes from. Oh, okay. So he was at the top of a mountain and he saw the wind starting. Oh, He saw right. the part of the mountain where the wind comes from. <laughs> right. Which is where we get our wind. Okay, not he saw it like... How are these ships working? How are we going to work these ships? I've got an idea. Oh, uh, He didn't claim to have invented wind, James. No, he just was... He was just present. Yeah, when the guy did the first sneeze. 
<laughs> or Trump. All right. I've got one more uh, alchemist for you. Oh, yeah. He's very, very small. He, well, he's not an alchemist. He's more of a natural philosopher. And he's Sir Charles Hall. Uh, and frankly, I'm not sure why he's in the chapter, except when you get to the story, you'll see why she put him in there. And it's the same reason I'm including it here. He, he knew someone called Mr. Gobsill. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Gobsill was terribly troubled with a very different kind of wind, the, uh, the sort of the tummy types. Mm-hmm. And someone told him that what you do is, you've got a bit of wind, you uh, eat a pebble. And that cures it. Now, I have to say that it doesn't. Mm. Uh, because he was so troubled with wind for such a long period of time that he ate around 200 pebbles over a period of his lifetime. Uh, and so by the time he was in his mid-twenties, he was clanking around full of pebbles. Mm. Enter Sir Charles Hall, natural philosopher, very wise man, immediately saw what to do and with a, a sort of a gathering of yokels around him, tied Mr. Gobsill upside down on a ladder that was leaned against his house and rattled him and just rattled and rattled and rattled the guy. I'm quoting now until they heard the slight, slow, noisy journey of the stones in the direction of Mr. Gobsill's mouth. Did it work, James? Was he cured? The answer is no, they couldn't get any of them out. They just turned him back the right way up and they all heard the stones dropping back into place. Didn't help at all. End of the story. Wow. So that's someone got, whoever saw that could have said that they saw the invention of one of them rain sticks. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't even want them to come out because they'd smash your teeth as they fell out. That's the problem, yeah. If you shake him out. insufficiently violently, and then he, they won't come out, shake him too violently. Come out he's a deadly weapon. <laughs> yeah, he's, a he's, he's shooting out. He's killing yokels. <laughs> uh, so I have four categories of score. Oh, I thought uh, it was the, the five big boys. What was this thing? The strong fives. The strong fives. Oh, uh, you could get strong fives. Well, that leads us on to the first category, which is naming. Uh, uh. And I've got to say, now, there are several names of things that I didn't include in the thing. And I just I just want to give you a, a taste of a few of them. Because okay? it seemed cruel. Because it seems clearly... cruel. Because it, there's just some absolute corkers here. Even um, just, you're getting, you're getting a strong five just for strong five, laborious Vane Street and what, Blue Ball End or whatever. James, you haven't even mentioned the Hocker Grockles. Anyway... <laughs> It's just—it's insulting to me that you've forgotten. Um, so re- the things that were included in remedies include live hog lice, burnt coke quenched in agna vitae, red coral, new gathered earthworms, live toads, black tips of crab's claws, just the tips, man's skulls, elk hooves, leaves of gold, man's bones calcinated, inward skin of a capon's gizzard, goose dung gathered in the springtime. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I know what you like. You're always yeah. thinking, we'll get it now. Wait till spring. Mm-hmm. The stone of a carp's head, unicorn's horn, boar's tooth, jaw of a pike, seahorse tooth, rasped, frog's livers, white dung of a peacock dried, and toads and viper's flesh. Right. So those are just some of the ingredients. I mean, those are some of my, those are all linked to some of my favourite anecdotes. <laughs> white dung, for um, example. There was another one which I really, it took me ages to read this before I realised how to read it correctly. Because it's a list of the things that this person can cure. And it is convulsions, bots, ribbed heels, farsi, chillblains, the mange, spasms, also religious and love melancholy. And this is what got me. It's measles in swine, Christians and prating in elderly persons. And I thought it meant that it could cure Christians. But I realise now what it means is it can cure measles in swine and Christians. Uh. And it also cures prating in elderly persons and makes an admirable beauty water. Good. Sitwell adds, alas, the recipe is lost to us today. No. Uh, A little bit of irony there from Sitwell. So this story contains all the names. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all of the words 
of some of my favourite words that I've heard recently. <laughs> it's a strong five. It's yes. got to be. You've got. You've caught the strong five. Yes. Uh, now let's womble on. Uh, just a thing. A thing about unicorns. Yeah. So dolphins, whales, used to be four-legged animals. Mm. The whale was something like a cow, a proto-cow that went back into the sea, and the dolphin was some other thing that yeah. lived on the land, went back into the sea. The narwhal, could it? Have been a unicorn. Maybe. Mm. An early sort of thing. Yeah. That's what I've been thinking in the break between <laughs> series two and three. <laughs> yeah, it could, could be. Could be, cool. So if you're a narwhal, write in and uh, let us know. <clears throat> let us know <clears throat> what you think. It's nothing like a good narwhal story to break the ice. Because they would break it with their horns. Because the, that's what yeah. the... Thanks <clears throat> for explaining. Yeah. The next category is supernatural. Supernatural. What are the scores? Ooh. Um, Extremely high, I assume, because we've got devils. We've got well, devils. have you? Yeah, you've got the man with the van full of cats. We've got a store pigeon informant devil yeah. in India. And... That's all the devils. That's all the devils. We've got the power of sympathetic magic. Uh, we've yeah. got a guy with a stomach full of stones. That's not very supernatural. That's it's more weird though, isn't it? misguided. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think I'd give it a three. All right. Because it's I'll a bit of devilry, that. but it's a lot of faux medicine. And I think that's their... They're treading that line between... This is actual scientific medicine, and this is magic. That's very much what the alchemist is, isn't he? He's like, yes, yeah, it's, you're right. It's sort of science applied to magic. Yeah, all right, you're right. And I'll be honest, I searched through his whole memoirs just for the word ghost, hoping there was a bit where he said, "Oh, by the way, I saw a ghost." Thinking James never gives me four or five unless there's a proper ghost, full on ghost. There isn't a ghost. Okay, just one and a half devils. Fair enough. Three is decent. I'll accept yeah. it. My next category is liars. Liars. Because these guys were, in some cases, literal snake oil salesmen. Venom juice salesmen. Yeah, snakey juice. Vi- Viper Always wine. giving it away. Viper, Viper wine giveaway. Uh, <laughs> everyone knows if you spill Viper wine, you have to put the tips of crab's claws on yeah, it. Yeah, I, well, I thought it was um, scorpion juice. <laughs> scorpion muck. Dried. Yeah, but in the summer. Yeah, I mean, a lot of liars. We can only assume that they were full of rubbish. Otherwise, we'd all be... Still drinking. Well, we'd be using the sympathetic powder, wouldn't we? Mm. I don't really see much practical application for that apart from... Unless you had a fever and you were covered in the bandages and then you took the bandages off and then you kept them in the fridge at home and then you walked yeah. around the day not having a fever. Or you had hypothermia. Those are literally the two things. I think you're forgetting how many duels people got into at this time. Like Kenneth Digby got into a duel with someone but, for but criticising ha- the Queen. Being too hot or cold isn't duel related. Yeah, but duels lead to injuries. Duel, yeah, being stabbed. He just had to get well from the wound by itself. Just because whether it's hot or cold is irrelevant to the fact that he's got a it's open nice, wound. Because he's James. now got no bandages on that wound. Wait, I'm. this is... If you this category is liars. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to change, all my, agreeing I'm gonna change my tack. I don't think it even happened. <laughs> I don't think it happened at all. It's nonsense. He gave he gave, he told, he gave a speech uh, in London explaining this story, and I think everyone sort of went, all right. Right. I don't why? think they even believed it then. Also, why are you telling us this? <laughs> to Digby. sell his powder. D- Mr. Digby. So, also, you'd think someone whose dad was in the gunpowder plot would probably try to dissociate themselves from the word powder. Or just like, oh, this if you want to protect yourself from being blown up, put this on some bandages and put it somewhere that isn't blown up. What? <laughs> even the author of this, Edith Sitwell, is playing fast and loose with the just nature of prose. So she's yeah. even... I don't think she's 100% reliable. No. So, yeah, five. 
Excellent. And my final category is going to take a bit of explaining, but the premise of it is never off. Mm. And basically, what I admire about these guys, liars though they are, is the way every day they're hustling, which mm. is a phrase I invented mm-hmm. to describe me. Why did you refer to yourself as they? You know that Alistair Beckett King? Every day they hustling? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. I admit I didn't invent that phrase. We didn't, but you might be pretending there's more than one of you for tax purposes. The Alistair's oh. Beckett King. <laughs> anyway, my point is... Every day they hustling. Yeah, every day they are hustling. So prove me, prove me wrong. No, they are. Even the guy. He, evidently, there was rumours that his betrothed was cheating on him. Yeah, he managed to turn that into a story above him communing with the netherworld. Yeah, exactly. He kills his wife with with viper wine. He only goes and puts. A, she's holding a snake in the painting. That's that's a ballsy move. Uh, that's that's weird. It's not really hustling. It's no, just weird. That, that's yeah. Uh, a guy just liked a load of cats managed to turn that into a hustle about being devil cats. Yeah, imagine this. You got you got a, whatever a solar microscope is. You're taking it on the road. <laughs> What's the show missing? Fourteen cats and people wanting to see a solar microscope. Well, yeah, but now there's now you've got the choice. <laughs> what you want to look at? The cats or the microscope? Cats, please. <laughs> I have a feeling a solar microscope, whatever it is, is better than you're imagining. Mm, I, yeah, they've got to be, I think, a four because some of the hustles are too confusing for hustles. <laughs> Unless like it's a real long game that's actually still going on. What about the guy who was upside down on the ladder, James? Yeah, I, unless that's... That was so- jostling. Yeah. He was, every day he's jostling. Every day he's oh, just clanking around. And it's for having wind. Well, allegedly, but uh, it got to the point where he didn't have any appetite at all because mm. his stomach was full of stones. I know I have a four-year-old son, so I know a lot about dinosaurs, and they actually would swallow stones in order to break down food. I think some birds still do it, but that obviously didn't work for this poor guy. No, I thought it might Im- ended with him inventing the pebble dash when it was. You said it specifically <laughs> on the external of his oh, that, house. Yeah, that would have been good. But no, that's no hustle there. No, you don't. You don't get that kind of narrative um, satisfaction from Sitwell. Just random detail. Um, right. Yeah, four. I'm going to stick with four. Well, I'll take your four, but mm-hmm. I'm going to do, uh, and this is unprecedented in the history of the podcast, in which we've made about seven episodes or something like that. I haven't counted. I'm going to do a trailer for a future Ooh. story that mm-hmm. I also found in the book while I was researching this. Same book, Edith Sitwell, mm-hmm. and there is an entire chapter devoted to your friend and mine, Captain Thickness. <gasps> The man who listeners will, I hope, remember from The London Monster. If you remember, there was a man in The London Monster who was in a kind of flame war with another guy, putting up bill posters accusing each other of being the monster because they had a sort of vendetta against each other. Well, I've done some cursory reading, and it turns out that Captain Thickness did that sort of thing a lot. Oh, exciting. He was an interesting fellow. And got into bitter feuds with every single person he ever met. <laughs> Witness the thickness. You will. Stay oh. tuned. Can we put a picture of the cover of that book? Because I, it is. It is absolutely a grotesque. Mess. It's an absolutely it's, grotesque image. That font is. Now that's a front cover on the inner cover. Oh, if you turn over one more page, this picture of Ken Elm Digby. Oh, he looks sly. He's got a bookshelf. Oh, can I read the books on his shelf? Yeah, yeah, I'm always yeah. very interested when they show people's bookshelves. He's got. Planks. First book, Planks. Might be plants, actually, in second viewing. (laughs) What type of plank is that? Get me my book. Sim powder, presumably sympathetic. Yeah. His cookery. Oh, I should say he wrote a cookbook. So, and he called it, they've managed to illustrate that, but called it His His Cookery. cookery. His Cookery, yes. He he wrote a cookbook, which apparently is quite good. 
Rectus in Physic and E. Yep. And St. K. Digby of Bodies. Sir Ken Elm Digby, yeah. possibly. Of Bodies. But also a lovely picture of a chap with a big beard on a little horse. It's really, it's got something for everyone this time. Yeah. Apart from the front cover, which is nothing Ooh, for everyone. Great. Thanks, Edith. Thank you. Welcome to Lawman. <laughs> With Alistair. Alistair. And James. And James. Please like, subscribe. I forgot. I don't know that one. No, it's... No, that's <laughs> Maybe you can say that one. All right, then. You're not going to do the advert. It's going to cost more. That's a lot of integrity. Yeah? What did I say? say, Please. Please. Like. Like. Subscribe. Subscribe. And comment. And comment. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.